Wow, man. Is everybody doing good? All right. How many of you are not doing good? All right. No takers on that. I like it. All right. Uh, once again, I want to thank uh, the powers that be for the opportunity to, uh, to do this. Uh, they've been gracious enough to ask me for a few years, and I, I just absolutely love being a part of what God does here. I didn't realize there were that many churches represented. This is uh, absolutely fantastic. And uh, wow, so this morning we had a session. Uh, I, some of you uh, that have kids, you weren't able to be with us. And boy, I, not because I was waxing eloquent by any stretch of the imagination, but because of the content that we covered, Man, I, I, would, uh, I would encourage you to, to go back and try to get that. And obviously, I, if you do intend to use the tabernacle as uh, a template for p prayer or a pattern for prayer, then I probably don't even need to say that to you. For those of you that are uh, doing the live stream thing, uh, you were probably working this morning, weren't able to live stream with us, and so there's going to be uh, a little bit of a gaposis uh, in what we talked about last night with what we talk about today, because today we, we went to three different uh, places in the tabernacle, and uh, so for you guys that are streaming, go back and, and, and get that. But, you know... <sighs> I'm a I'm an old dude now. Um, I I, I re, this has been eight years ago. I was at this you know uh, what do you call it an attention center or something like that. Uh, you know kids that are in trouble and we were going there to minister to them and so we were you know playing basketball and and I knew I had crossed over. Um, <laughs> Because one of the young guys, you know, you know how that is, you know, pick up team for the next deal. The guy came up to me and said, hey, hey, old school, you playing next? <laughs> and I ripped his arm off and beat him with it. <laughs> but be, being an old dude, uh, it doesn't really necessarily mean a whole lot. But, you know, you, you watch a lot of things through the years and... People and their walk with the Lord. And I, I will tell you this, that after my 40 years, I, I do believe that God's people are a whole lot better allowing God to speak to them through his word than we are knowing how to talk to God in prayer. Would you agree with that? And uh, I will tell you, I, I really do believe that this thing of prayer is the missing component in our walk with the Lord, and we wonder why we struggle, because we're in the Word all the time. Well, there's a lot that happens when God talks to us, but I will also tell you there's a lot that happens when we talk to God. And, and a lot of people, I, I, you know, as I've dialogued with them on this, what they tell me is, I don't know what to say. <laughs> And so, wow, what we're doing right now, uh, 
The thing that I like about using the tabernacle as a template for prayer is you can do it in five minutes or you can do it in an hour. And you really could, in light of everything that we've talked about, you, you could spend an hour every day. And I don't think that would be a bad thing. I don't, again, no legalistic trip anywhere. I'm not, we're not putting a time frame on it. I'm just saying what this thing of the tabernacle does is it shows us all of the various aspects of what we need to be talking to God about on a daily basis. And so th- this morning, we... Uh, we actually entered into the tabernacle proper. We, we entered into the holy place. Now, in, in just a moment, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back up and we're going to walk through the whole tabernacle. But for right now, I, there's uh, just some, some key things that I want to make sure that you get about the holy place. So this is where we'll pick up in our, our notes tonight and just before we do. Let's, let's go to the Lord, and would you just right now, just quickly, just say, Lord, if you don't speak to anybody else tonight, speak to me. Make this practical for me. And Lord, we do pause to just declare that we need you. We, we totally understand that without you, we can do nothing. And I, I confess that tonight, and I believe it. I know there is no power whatsoever in anything that Mark Trotter has to say. But, Lord, we believe there is power in the Word of God. We believe the Spirit of God that lives in us can illuminate the Word of God, and tonight can be for us a life-changing night. And that's what we, we ask you to do, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so in the holy place, there's three incredibly significant furnishings, if you will. A lot of times, if you'll be reading a commentary or, or whatever when going through Exodus, they'll talk about furniture. I, I just I can't think of anything but a living room when I think of furniture, and so I like to call it furnishings. Call it what you like. But these various aspects that we've been talking about of the tabernacle, they teach us, as we've seen, they teach us about Christ, they teach us about the Christian life, and, and, and it becomes... Uh, a pattern for us that we're trying to use in terms of prayer and in terms of using all of this to cause us on a daily basis to be able to enter into a a deeper relationship with God when we meet with him. And, And the three furnishings that are in this part of the the tabernacle, the tabernacle proper, is there is, we, we, we come into the holy place and there is the golden candlestick to our left. There is the table of showbread to our right. And directly in front of us is the altar of incense. Now the significance of all of this stuff in the holy place that I'm wanting you to see is 
that these three furnishings just happen to represent the three great resources we have available to us in our pursuit of personal holiness or our pursuit of our lives being a place of holiness or seeing our lives become a holy place, just like this. And what is there are the resources that God has given to us so that we might be that holy place. The the Spirit of God is one of the resources represented in the candlestick. The Word of God is represented in the table of showbread, and prayer to God is represented in the altar of incense. And again, I think it's so important for us to get that in our head. The the scripture that we talked a whole lot about this morning was 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1, where we are admonished and commanded to perfect holiness in the fear of God. And my brothers and sisters... We will never perfect holiness apart from the Spirit of God, the Word of God, and prayer to God. That's the components. Okay, so I just wanted, I wanted to make sure that we, we understood that in terms of that holy place and God wanting us to be that holy place and the fact that he's given to us everything that we need for that specific purpose. Now, what I want to do right now is give you a simplified version of everything that we've talked about, uh, a synthesized version, if you will, uh, uh, at a glance view of this thing. And I wanted to have it somewhere in your notes so it can just be a little handy little resource for you, okay? So it goes like this. This is, the tabernacle is the place where we meet with God. It's, it's where his presence is. And, and so as we on a daily basis, as we come into his presence, we come through the gate And we saw that this is the place of thanksgiving, and this is the place of praising. And before we're asking God to do anything for us, we're thanking God for everything he's already done. And we're praising him because of his attributes and his goodness. But as soon as we enter into that gate and enter into the courtyard, we're immediately confronted with the brazen altar. And this is the place of sacrifice, and it certainly represents the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. And yet, for what we're talking about, this is the place of yielding. And this is the place of presenting. And this is the place where we understand that we have been called to yield our members on a daily basis and present our bodies a living sacrifice. Uh, 
And, and then just beyond the brazen altar, we come to the brazen laver. And this is the place of washing and cleansing. It, it, it's not the brazen altar where we were redeemed through the blood of Christ. What we talked about this morning is that this, this is the place to where we deal with the sin that doth so easily beset us, the, the sin that is a part of our present. It's, we talked last night about our sin is what killed Jesus. We talked this morning about the fact that some of those sins that killed Jesus, we still go back to, and if we don't go back to them, man, we'd sure like to. And so this is the place where we cleanse ourselves of all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit, the brazen labor, the place of washing and cleansing. And so then as we come into the, the holy place, we come to the golden candlestick, and this is the place of emptying and filling we empty ourselves of ourselves so that we might be filled with the Spirit of God, so that we might walk in the Spirit, so that we might manifest the fruit of the Spirit. And so we're here for the permeation of the Holy Spirit, and yet we're here for the illumination of the Spirit because we're getting ready to go over here to the Word of God unless the light of the Holy Spirit is shined on the Word of God, then we ain't getting nothing. And at the table of showbread, this is the place in prayer, the place of nourishing and equipping. Paul wrote to Timothy, and he talked to, to him about being nourished up in the words of faith and good doctrine. And so this is the place where we're nourished by the word. This is the place where we're equipped in, in good doctrine. And then we come to the altar of incense. And, and this is the place of casting and requesting. Now, again, I'm just trying to give this to you so that there's a place in your notes where you can get it all. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But this is the place of casting. It's the place of requesting. And then from here, we move into the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant is, and its lid, the, the mercy seat. And that is the place where we have actually entered into the dwelling place of God. And it's a place of worshiping and fellowshipping. And, and you know what? As If you took a week of your life to just pray through the tabernacle, you would be able to articulate that without even trying. And I would highly encourage you to do that. Okay, so we ended this morning at the table of showbread. And so now we are going to turn from the table of showbread and we're going to make our way to the altar of incense. And so tonight, as, as you're trying to get your head wrapped around this, uh, 
let's, let's put in our minds that this is the holy place. This is the veil. And on the other side of that is the holy of holies. And so right here, right in front of the veil, this is where we find the altar of incense. Okay, and as we come to the altar of incense and we start to try to get our, our head wrapped around this thing, according to Exodus chapter 30, verses 7 and 8, this is the place where the high priest burned incense every morning and every evening. And as he did that, what would happen is the smoke of that incense would carry its sweet aroma through the veil into the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was located, which of course is the representation of the dwelling place of God. And listen, one of the things that as we're talking about this tabernacle, one of the things that we want to keep in mind about it is that this is just the picture. The tabernacle is just a crude miniature replica of a breathtaking reality of what Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 11 calls a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands which is in heaven. And interestingly enough, the Lord allows us not only to look into this tabernacle on the earth, but he actually gives us a glimpse of the tabernacle, the true tabernacle in heaven, and he does that for us in Revelation chapter 8. In this chapter, John is describing what it was that he actually saw as he was caught up into heaven, and what he does is he describes the altar of incense in the true tabernacle that's there. Look at what he says in in verse 2 of Revelation 8, John says, And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And you'll notice that in the true tabernacle, there's no mention of the Ark of the Covenant. And you know why there's no mention of it? It's because it's not there. And you know why it isn't? It's because the Ark of the Covenant was just a picture. And what it pictured was the holy presence of God, or God in all of his glory, seated upon his throne. And in this passage, in the reality, in the true tabernacle, God is on his throne. And again, we see that at the end of verse 3. Can you, maybe if you could go back to where the, those passages were, or the, those verses were. It, it talks about the, the angel came and stood at the altar. And again, that's the golden altar represented in this earthly tabernacle, the altar of incense. Having a golden censer, 
And there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And what we find here is that in the true tabernacle in heaven, of which the Old Testament tabernacle pictured, the prayers of the saints are being kept in a golden censer and are burned as incense that come up into God's presence as a sweet-smelling savor. And so as we come in prayer to the golden altar or the altar of incense, as I mentioned in the overview just a second ago, the altar of incense is the place of casting and requesting. Because this is the place, as 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7 talks about, this is the place, y'all. We're in prayer on a daily basis. We cast all of our cares upon him. You remember when we talked about coming into the gate with thanksgiving and and praise, I was saying, listen, first and foremost, prayer is not about petitioning. It's about praising. And I told you then, but God does afford us a place to be able to come and to cast all of our care upon him. This is the place, as Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 talks about, this is the place where we are making our request known unto God. And he wants us to do that. And he allows us to do that. And through it, what God is letting us know is that what we're actually doing when we're praying is we are depositing incense into his golden censers, and our prayers become the beautiful aroma that comes up into his nostrils. Listen, y'all, that's how God feels about our prayers. Is that nuts? I don't know what kind of smell just makes you... Man, I'll tell you, I'm a, when I smell ribs on the smoker, man, ooh, <laughs> yes, sir, we'll just camp out here. Now, now, yeah, I, I smell that, and I go, <clears throat> and, and, and listen, just like that, when we pray, and I don't want to cheese this up. But the Father looks over to the Son and looks over to the Holy Ghost and goes, mm, mm. You smelling that? Doesn't that smell divine? I, I'm telling you, y'all, can you imagine that our prayers have this kind of effect? It's like incense burning in the nostrils of our God. That's how he views our prayers. And that time is such an incredibly special time for him when we pray. That's how he views it.
But man, oh man, you know what? I, I think a lot of Christians, how we tend to view it, y'all, we kind of tend to view prayer as it's kind of like a ball and chain. It's this necessary evil. It's, it's probably the thing in the Christian life other than my sin that gives me the, the greatest guilt trip. But man, when you get to the, the golden altar, when you get to the altar of incense and you see how God views prayer, man, all of a sudden we begin to see how pitiful our mindset about prayer has been and we just see how much of the intimacy in our relationship with God that we were intended to have through prayer that we're actually missing out on. And so this realization of what our prayers are to God begins to transform our thinking. It begins to renew our mind, and as it does, it's almost as if from the altar of incense, we hear the voice of the Lord beckoning to us as he did in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28, where he said to us, would you listen, come, man, would you come? Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Come, and I'll give you rest. It's as if we, we are personally hearing God say to us, as he did in Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing. In other words, don't be full of care about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto me. And, and what God is saying to us is, listen, I know what you're feeling, and I know what is stressing you out, and I don't want you to be full of care, so come. We hear him from that altar of incense, as we've already talked about from 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. We hear the Lord saying to us, cast all your care upon me. Because of how much I care for you. And so we come to this, this blessed place of prayer to cast our cares upon him and to make our request known to him. And as we really begin to understand this place of prayer, we, we follow David to that place in the tabernacle, to the altar of incense. And we join him in what he said in Psalm 5 and verse 3. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning. You hearing that? 
Man, would to God we could all say that. Lord, you're going to hear my voice every morning. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee, and I'll look up. We join him in what he said in Psalm 141 and verse 2. Would you listen to it in light of everything that we're learning here? Let my prayer be set before thee as incense and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. And we declare with him the words of Psalm 27 and verse 5. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. Do you understand what we're missing by not going to this place, y'all? He talks to us about a secret place. Where we get away from all of the craziness in this world, man. In the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. We follow Paul to the altar of incense and He says to us the words of Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We follow Hannah to the altar of incense in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 15. And we join her, listen, y'all, as we, I love this, man, as we pour out our soul before the Lord. And yet most importantly, we follow our Lord Jesus Christ to this altar. And like was said of him in Hebrews 5 and verse 7, it's hard for me to get my mind wrapped around. But we join Jesus by offering up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears. Did you know that that's how Jesus did it when he was down here in an earth suit? He made his way to the altar of incense with tears and strong crying. And listen, y'all, that's what the altar of incense is is about. It's that place on a daily basis where we, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trip on one of these. Am I making you nervous? It's that place on a daily basis where we come and we cast all of our cares upon him. It's that place where we 
make our request known unto him. Okay, but, but try to get your head wrapped around this. Once a year, on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would take the golden censer that was on the top of the altar of incense, or the golden altar, and what he would do, he would take that golden censer and he would begin to make his way into the most significant place on earth, the holy of holies, the place on the planet where God's presence was fully manifest. And listen, y'all, do you realize that if you and I were living in the time of the Old Testament or if we were living under the, the Old Testament economy, even though we may have been one of Aaron's priestly sons, we would have no access beyond that veil into the Holy of Holies. This is in your notes. That was reserved for one man, and that was the high priest. That was Aaron. For one day, the Day of Atonement, one day out of the year, and for one purpose, to atone for the sins of the nation of Israel. And I might also want to add that in, because it was a human, it was Aaron, he also had to atone for his own sins, unlike the Lord Jesus Christ, hallelujah. And Paul explains this in Hebrews chapter 9, verses 7 and 8, saying, and, and try to picture this, what, what he's saying here. You, you can get this now that we've spent all this time talking about it. He says, but into the second, okay, and by the second, he's referring to that second part of the tabernacle proper, okay, the holy of holies, that's the second, and of course, the first was the holy place, and, and, and what he says is, but into the holy of holies went the high priest alone once every year not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people, the Holy Ghost, this signifying, or was signifying by this, that the way into the holiest of all, or the holy of holies, listen now, was not yet made manifest. In other words, at that time in the Old Testament, there was no way for people to actually ex access the dwelling place of God. There was a veil that was separating the people from the presence of God. And remember now, y'all, that veil was a picture. But in Matthew chapter 20, uh, 27, verses 50 and 51, what it does here is it records the final seconds of Jesus' life as he was hanging on the cross. And it says, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. In other words, he died. And immediately upon his death, 
Watch what happened in verse 51. And behold, the veil of the temple, of which the tabernacle was foreshadowing, behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain, or it was ripped in two. And it was done so from top to the bottom, symbolizing that God had made a way to himself for man and definitely teaching us that man had not made a way for himself to God. And the significance was so incredibly powerful that the ripping of that veil was even felt in nature. Look at what the rest of it says. And the earth did quake, and the rocks rent, or they split. And my brothers and sisters, do you realize tonight that because of what happened on that day, you and I as common believers in Jesus Christ, we have the unbelievable privilege of doing what no human being on this planet had the privilege of doing for thousands of years. We have it available to us every day. Hebrews 10 verses 19 and 20 says that we now have, I I can't even fathom it, boldness to enter the holiest, the holy of holies. (laughs) Not by anything we've done but by the blood of Jesus. Not any way that we provided for ourselves, but a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil. Listen to it now. That is to say, his flesh. He died to take away the separation so that idiots like me on a daily basis, have access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who's dwelling in the holy place. And now with boldness, mind you, we have the incomprehensible privilege of entering into the dwelling place of God represented in what's on the other side of that veil, the ark Of the covenant. And what the Ark of the Covenant was, was actually, it was a holy box. That's the Ark of the Covenant. Okay, but on the top of it was the mercy seat. And that was like the lid to the box. And as we just saw in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 and 20, our great high priest, The Lord Jesus Christ has atoned for our sin with his own blood and because he has, access to the holy God of the universe has been granted. And again, as I mentioned in the overview at the beginning, listen, the Ark of the Covenant with the mercy seat is the place, y'all, of worshiping and fellowshipping. 
You, you look at everything that we've talked about, the thanksgiving and the praising and the yielding and the presenting and the emptying and the filling and the nourishing and the emptying and the casting and the requesting. And now, now we are positioned and we are ready to enter into the place where God dwells. And, and listen, because we are moving into this place. We've just been at the candlestick. We've just been at, at or the, the candlestick is over here, okay? We've just been to the candlestick. And because we've been here, when we get in there, we're worshiping, as he talks about in John chapter 4 and verse 23, we're worshiping him in spirit. And because we've just been to the table of showbread over here, do you know where I'm going? We're worshiping him in truth. And, and so as we come into this un, um, unimaginable holy place, like the raptured church will do in his holy presence once we are taken off of this planet, and we are at his throne in the true tabernacle in heaven. It's represented in Revelation chapter uh, 4, verses 10 and 11. The church is the, the 24 elders that he's talking about. And what it does is it shows us when we actually get, not to the picture, but when we're there in the reality and what it says we do, y'all, is we fall down before him and worship him that liveth forever and ever. And we declare in that day, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. And we'll see that so clearly on that day, y'all. But what if we could bring a piece of that every single day as we come into the Holy of Holies and we're declaring the same kind of worship that we will offer when we are there in his presence. But it, he affords us every day through prayer the same exact privilege that we'll have then. This is the place on the other side of that, that veil. This is the place where like David in Psalm 27 and verse 4, we dwell in the house of the Lord where he dwells. And we behold his beauty and we inquire in his temple. This is the place where like Moses in Exodus 33 and verse 11, God takes the truth of his word and he speaks to us as a man speaketh unto his friends. That's why... This is the place of intimacy, y'all. This is the place where, like Mary 
in Luke chapter 10 and verse 39 where we, we sit at the Lord's feet. We worship him. And we hear his word. And it, it's the place where like Isaiah in Isaiah 6 and verse 3 where on a daily basis the Lord's presence is so real and it's, it's so manifest. It, it's almost as if we could hear the seraphim around his throne as they cry, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And after seeing the Lord in the fullness of his glory and his majesty, like Isaiah in Isaiah 5, we see ourselves for who we really are. And we, we begin to hear things from the word that we've never heard before because it's just becoming so personal to us. And we hear the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And, and I, I know we're, we're finished with the notes, but please resist the urge to pack up. We hear what we've never been able to hear before. You know why there's so many aimless people in Christianity? They've never heard the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And you know why they never hear that? They never, and I'm not saying you've got to get called to the ministry. And he's looking to send people to the world, but we don't, we don't hear it because you hear it at his throne. You, you hear it at, in times of, of, of worship and, and listen, with the Lord's presence fully manifest on his throne. Listen, we're finally thinking right and we're finally seeing clearly and we're finally hearing clearly and we find ourselves presenting to him what we've never really truly been able to present to him a heart fully surrendered that cries out, here am I, send me. And listen, y'all, that's, that's what I would call meeting with God. And I ask you, if that... Everything that we've talked about, if that was what we were experiencing in our prayer life on a daily basis when we meet with God, do you think our walk with Christ would be different than it is right now? 
You know, this is a group of people that I'm convinced desires to walk with the Lord. And I'm blessed to know you. But, you know, if we don't get this praying component down, we're going to continue to struggle with the same stinking sins that we've been struggling with ever since we got saved. And I, I, I hope, and the way that I, I have prayed is that God, through everything that I've talked about, that he would change my life this week. And I, I've, I've been praying for you for weeks, man that God would somehow allow there to be some of y'all that would be so desirous to meet with God, meeting him with the same desire that he has to meet with us, and that it would revolutionize our lives for the rest of our lives. And now what I want to ask you to do, and the musicians, why don't you come okay let's go to the place of worship let's go to the place of fellowship and let's offer to the Lord true worship in spirit and in truth could I ask you to stand